The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, our sex tech guy will join me. We're going to talk about intimacy via video conferencing, how to covertly signal in a video call that you need help, um, and apparently some landlords requesting sex from renters in lieu of rent. We'll find out what that's all about after 10.15, but first... Calling's not the only way to connect. The inbox is easy and always open at 514-800. Remember, you can send me your um, questions to uh, my email, laurie at drlaurie.com, or you can call in at 514-790-0800, or feel free to text in anytime to 514-800. You can also text in not just your questions, but even your comments of things that you hear on the show and, and me answering other people's questions. It sometimes helps to get other people's feedback. Maybe they've experienced the same thing or have something else to say. And of course, your uh, comments always welcomed here. Um, Dr. Lori, I messaged you a while back about my 14-year-old son who is masturbating a lot. I understand his hormones are in high gear, but I began to notice that he is looking at me. Most recently, he walked into my room after I got out of the bath. My bedroom door does not have a lock, but he knows to knock but just bursts in. I am rather large-breasted and can understand the fascination at his age, and I do not look my age at all. I've been invading his privacy somewhat by looking in on his chats with his friends, talking about girls, sharing some thoughts on sex, nothing alarming. He knows I monitor his internet activity and have uh, parental controls in place so porn sites cannot be accessed. He does searches for nudes and can see pics, you cannot block everything. I have to make sure any top I wear covers well. At home, I do not like wearing a bra, but have to make an effort uh, so that my nipples are not obvious through any top. Is this normal for a young boy to try and look at his own mother? If he was 17, I would be uh, very concerned, but I do not want to get to that point. I was wondering why he was always being so helpful with laundry, cleaning up when I'm vacuuming and putting dishes in the dishwasher. I will just let that go and say he's being a a helpful young man. I love your show, love the comments, and love some of the poems your poet sends in. I'm curious to know where... The Passion Poet came from. Uh, Your show is one of the few shows on radio or TV that educates, informs, entertains, and helps so many in so many ways. Thank you so much for that, first of all. So I'm curious from other people, uh, men who were once boys, their curiosity with their opposite sex parents, if they are uh, straight, obviously, but um, the fascination with the body parts of the opposite sex parent. I think it's normal. I don't think there's, um, it's a question of him being aroused, but more him being curious of, I mean, you have, things, breasts and, and, and body parts that he obviously is, you know, when he's looking online or he's looking at nudes, he's looking at nude women. Um, and so there is a certain fascination with that, but I would say you can have a talk with him about your own privacy and, and that he should respect your privacy. I would also say, put a lock on your door. Um, I think that that's just, 
just to maintain, um, you know, so you don't have to worry about him bursting in for whatever, whatever reason, I think you should have a, a lock on your door. I don't know if anybody else has any, any thoughts on this, but, um, you know, making sure he has also reading material about sexuality and about some of the things that he is going through right now in terms of, uh, of puberty, I, I don't think this is so alarming. I, I really do think it's a question of, uh, of curiosity. I think some, you know, girls may, uh, may want to get a peek at what a penis looks like by looking at their own fathers, but it's nothing, it's not sexual. It's curiosity more than anything. It's like, I don't have those or those interest me on other girls. Let me see what they look like in real life. Right. Uh, to me, that's, that's what it rings in my head. So if anybody else has any other thoughts on this, I'd welcome them. 514-800 to, uh, to text in on that. Um, I've written you a few times. Uh, this evening, my wife and I got into an all-out battle. It was heartbreaking to both of us. I went downstairs to cool off and turned on the TV. I came across a show that touched on relationships during these times. Then I remembered one of your shows. I went upstairs and she was sitting there. I looked at her and said, our yelling got us to this point and it solved nothing. I want you to say everything that is on your mind. I will listen, not interrupt you, but will take notes of points I want to discuss. No raising your voice, just talk. She looked at me, said nothing, just looked at me. I told her I love you and if you are not happy, how can I be happy? She said, give me a paper and a pen. About 15 minutes later, she started to talk and talk and talk. I jotted down notes and when she was done, I addressed each one of her issues and went on to a few of my own. I even made us a coffee while I spoke. The outcome was this. Um, did we, the outcome was this. Did we resolve every single issue? No, but we resolved better than 90% and we will come to an agreement on the others. Half of the issues were business related and I consider her a 50% partner and she is a co-owner and employee like me. Dr. Lori, if it was not for your show, I would, would have never thought of doing that. Uh, we promised each other if we must yell, okay, but no name calling. And you only get 60 seconds of raising your voice each, laughing. Then we sit down and discuss it calmly. Thank you. Um, great. Wonderful. I am so happy that you learned some really important communication skills here. And you did. You, you, you caught it. You saw that it was going out of hand. And you went back and discussed it calmly and managed to resolve it rather than build up resentment and stuff like that. Uh, Texter writes in, hi, Dr. Lori. Good night. I disagree with you concerning that young, young boy. That behavior is deviant. And you would say it's deviant how? You don't think that young boys, young girls have curiosity even about their parents' uh, bodies. I don't know. Um, as a kid, I talked to my mother while she was taking a bath, but she was smart. She always covered her parts and kept the shower curtain closed. Why was she smart? Because you would want to take a peek is what you're saying. Um, so any other thoughts on this? I, I really do not see this as a, as deviant uh, behavior. Um, but if, uh, if there's any concern around that is to have a talk, uh, with him and say, Hey, you know, I noticed that 
you want to look and it's normal for you to be curious, but it makes me uncomfortable and this is what boundaries are all about and we need to have these boundaries very, very clear. So it's a good opportunity to actually teach uh, boundaries to to your kids and, and about sexual boundaries. So that's something that you can certainly um, talk about for sure. 514-800, if there's anything else that you uh, want to discuss, I'm happy to. Uh, coming up in the program, we have uh, Dr. Jason Behrman, who is our tech uh, I call him our tech guru, but he's a specialist in artificial intelligence and technology, and he uh, basically joins us uh, every month to discuss different different trends, different things that we're seeing, things that are related to uh, sexuality and relationships that have to do with technology, and believe me, there's a whole lot of that. And then I was reading something about people during this time having what's called tech fatigue, over-connecting, and I'm sure many people are experiencing that uh, right now in terms of uh, just wanting a break from uh, all of this technology, which is one of the only ways we can connect with the outside world. So he's, uh, he's coming up after 10.15. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Joining me tonight, as he does every month, is Dr. Jason Behrman. He is a specialist in artificial intelligence and technology with a background in public health as well. We love having him on. I'm just uh, sad that we cannot be face-to-face, but this is better than nothing. So, hello, Dr. Jason. How are you? Hello, my darling Lori. <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you and your loved ones? I'm uh, very good. Feeling uh, safe, fine, good, uh, busy. So, it's all it's all good. All good. Uh, just, I wanted to ask you a question, just as a young as a young man, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you heard me earlier, but I, I this person wrote in their 14-year-old son. It was a woman who said that she kind of feels that he's trying to get a look at her breasts, basically her naked, and wondering if uh, if you remember being a, a young a young man or even your friends. Is that normal behavior to 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 want like to be curious about what your parents look like? Um. Not for me. Um, no, I don't know. But I imagine. I mean, if you're if you don't have access to many other people and you don't really have access to other kind of forms of right, you know, sexual education and other ways of uh, you know expressing your curiosity and and wanting to gain uh, a better understanding of why you feel that way. Sometimes you may do that. Um, I mean, this is this is what what teenagers and and, and children do. They're right. they're curious. It's not necessarily something that's like pathological or strange right. or, or arousing. Um, it doesn't have to be arousing. It can uh, be simply curious. It's like having older siblings and and mm-hmm. you know if you had older sisters or whatever spying on them or looking at them or uh, whatever it is. So okay, just just checking in. Uh, so um, what do you, what do you have but, for us today? But I, I would also like like to say to, to parents that an opportunity, like if, if something like that arises, it's an opportunity to have a discussion yeah. with your child or your adolescents about consent and yes. how it's inappropriate for you to be spying on other people. Exactly. And that you, you should have full consent and like what is consent and why is it inappropriate for you to be spying on people and being something called a peeping Tom. Um, like you, right. You're not allowed to do that. Okay, that's oh, a good okay. that's a good point. That's a very good point. Is having a discussion mm-hmm. about consent. It's a very good learning opportunity for that. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I'm glad you brought that up. So before we begin, I would just like to say that uh, this week is Lesbian Visibility Week. Oh, So okay. uh, just a shout out to all of our sisters out there. It's Lesbian Visibility Week. There's a hashtag if you want to go see a bunch of uh, lovely lesbian women being visible. Uh, it's called hashtag Lesbian Visibility Week. So, okay, great. Thank you for uh, for letting us know. I didn't get I didn't get the notice. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, yeah. I would like to raise awareness for an issue that I raised on a previous episode on passion with uh, your colleague uh, Paris Mansouri. Okay. And we were discussing um, a few months ago, or like half a year ago, um, this problem with um, landlords asking or sometimes demanding sex in exchange for rent payments. What? And this was, uh, some people started to to post ads for this uh, online. And also there was undercover journalists that uh, responded to these ads. And they went and they visited uh, landlords uh, as women and uh, to see, like, what was going on. And that was back in the day when we were having um, a conversation about the high cost of living in many expensive cities throughout the world, but especially in areas like Toronto and Vancouver. Okay. But uh, this problem also was uh, popping up in areas even in, like, Calgary in Edmonton. But anyways, um, it's come back and it's for a different reason now. So it's not due to like the high cost of living per se. It's the fact that so many people have lost their jobs and they're all wondering how they're going to be able to pay for rent. Right. And so we've seen um, some leaders of uh, nonprofits that uh, try to protect women, uh, vulnerable women, vulnerable populations are starting to raise the alarm. They're getting a, a spike in reports about landlords soliciting sex uh, uh, in exchange for rent wow. and uh, women of color and trans women are particularly vulnerable so what I want to raise here is that uh, everybody hey um, if this is happening to you you are not alone don't stand for it report it uh, be vigilant and protect yourself and others and keep all evidence if your landlord does this um, Sometimes the people are seeing uh, landlords are sending them lewd messages or uh, inappropriate uh, images through text message. Oh, my. Um, yeah, so explicit photographs. Some are landlords are offering uh, vulnerable tenants that can't pay to come and, you know, snuggle with them. Or um, they can exchange uh, living with them for a short period of time. Wink, wink, you know, living with them. But, oh, you know, wow. there's strings attached. Right. So, yeah. So who do you and, report this to? Uh... Well, you cannot uh, be kicked out of your home if you do not put out, let's say, quote unquote, right. uh, that that is totally illegal. Um, this is a form of sexual harassment, definitely, if it keeps happening. And what I want everybody to know is, is that usually if a landlord uh, sexually harasses you, uh, quite often they are serial offenders. This is what some experts in the field are saying. So if it's happening to you, they might be doing it to another person or they will do it to another person. Or they have so done why, it to another person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, that that's why you have to take it seriously, and that's why it's best to report it to try to prevent other people from becoming victims as well or being targeted. So do you report it to the rental board? Do you report it to the police? Like, who do you report this to? Uh, those would be uh, a, a, the, the best starting point, yes. Okay. And uh, once again, there are many ways to uh, keep this evidence, r- record everything. You know, you can get apps on your phone now that will uh, record your conversation with your landlord. And uh, by law, you do not have to uh, notify someone else that you are recording a phone call if at least one person who's participating in the conversation knows that it's being recorded. Right. You can't, re- you can't record a third party 
conversation. Yeah, without you being part of it. Right. Yeah, that's but, spying on others. <laughs> right. Exactly. Talk about the, yeah. the issue of consent. So what exactly. are the best apps for that? Like how, how would you go about uh, recording somebody without them noticing that you're doing something on your phone like to record? Oh, for Android, there's like a whole bunch out there and a lot of them are free and they're they're pretty darn good. Um, I must say I use these apps um, in my work because I will conduct uh, customer discovery interviews and and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so so, uh, often I I just use the practicality of my phone, but uh, just do a simple search on any kind of app store, um, like how do I record phone calls or something like that, or like the best app to record a, a phone call conversation and it will pop up and most are free. Okay, great. So you can actually, if you're on the phone with someone, record the conversation you're having with them. Mm-hmm. And then you get both sides. Okay, I was wondering about that because I know you can, you know, press record on your camera thing and you can record if the person is in front of you, but what about if they're talking to you by phone? Because you need to have some of that evidence. Either they're going to send you an email making those suggestions, a text, or mm-hmm. a phone conversation, which you have to be able to, you know, record pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. which is trouble uh, uh, can can get quite complicated quite quickly, but not with these apps. So okay, all right. Well, so the I, one I that can't I'm believe using, that's I, I happening. Just, I just remember it now. I, I use okay. it's, it's called ACR. Um, okay. Uh, that's one of the app I'm using, but I can't believe this is happening. Well, this is not the first time that it's happened. And so the discussion that I, I was fortunate enough to have with uh, Paris was uh, raising awareness in the population of this happening before long before the pandemic and it was mostly due to the fact that like rent and the cost of living in so many areas have just like skyrocketed in the past five years and it's caught a lot of people off guard Mm -hmm. and a lot of people have fallen into this like vulnerability trap of being financially insecure and having a lot of trouble um, making ends meet and whenever you're vulnerable you could Bet your luck, you know, that's just the way it is. There's somebody that's going to try to take advantage of the situation. Right. right. Uh, this texter writes in, but technically then that phone recording can be hacked by whoever provided the app. So can you talk about that? Well, technically anything could kind of be hacked, but right. um, I don't think that would be your primary worry in this situation. So your primary worry would be to record all the information, get all the information um, down in a secure location. Uh, you could download the, the, the audio recording just like you can any other uh, As a file. file on your mm-hmm. phone. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite simple to, to share it and, uh, yeah, and just like keep a record and um, push back. If a landlord is being inappropriate like this with you, you say, uh, no, I draw a line in the sand. You are not doing this to me. Uh, yeah, this is totally unacceptable. So this texture writes in, these landlords are setting themselves up for major lawsuits. Uh, he says, recording is a waste of time, totally inadmissible in court. Video and voice, okay. Text, okay. Voice only, waste of time. Her word against his, he can deny that it is him. Um, but there's a, a, a record of the phone number of like oh, who's right. being called between the two right. and that's immutable right. <laughs> and like nobody, that's really, really hard to fake, I must say, because, uh, yeah, th- those numbers are controlled by the cell phone company, not by the app. So, right. um, that is admissible in court. <laughs> we do do, uh, we do take recordings all the time, audio recordings for sure. Okay, especially in a case of, of harassment, and if that's mm-hmm. the only proof that, that you have, and then you, you know, other, and then if other people come forward and say the same thing happened to them, well, there you have it. 
Yeah, that's uh wow. I would have never thought of that. Like when you sent me that topic, I was like, "What?" <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. then it made sense, I guess, especially now there are going to be a whole lot of vulnerable vulnerable people. So Yeah, and so what I read um how this is being reported, there's a, there's a few reports. It's not like this is like a huge problem throughout the world, but right. uh it's in the United States and Canada. There are people that are coming forward saying like, "Oh, we're noticing an unfortunate trend here." Okay. All right. Uh, So uh, now's a good time also to talk about uh, intimacy via video conferencing. A lot of people are worried about, uh, well, about hacking, really, and about, uh, you know, uh, they want to be able to be sexual with each Mm -hmm. other online, but are worried that someone else can see them or that image can be kept or whatever it is. Okay, um, I, I can conclude with uh, some of the, the cybersecurity issues, but first I want to uh, describe like how some people are getting really creative lately with some of these these video calls. Oh, yeah? And intimacy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, Zoom sex parties are popping up. So, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so Zoom <laughs> is this hugely popular uh, video conference call kind of uh, a service that's available online and also in your phone, and it just took off during the pandemic. And uh, it has a bad reputation for uh, privacy and security, so we'll get into that in the end. But yeah, some people now are hosting um, um, a digital touchless, contactless <laughs> orgy party. Digital on orgies. Oh my, my goodness. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk more about these uh, digital orgies feel like joining one perfectly safe apparently and you're not really cheating well we could talk about that uh dr jason behrman is with me he is a specialist in artificial intelligence and technology and every month he shares with us what's new in the tech world related to sex and relationships and right now as this time in our lives technology really important for all of us but we still need to know how to use it uh, safely sex orgies or rather uh, virtual orgies what is that all about we'll get in-depth look at that with dr jason behrman coming up next after we check in with our cjd 800 newsroom the following program contains mature subject matter is advised from the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak you're listening to passion cjd 800 virtual orgies oh my dr jason behrman joins us he is a specialist in artificial intelligence and technology this is our sex tech segment once a month he joins us on the air to tell us uh, what's new so zoom sex parties huh yeah okay <laughs> how do you get so in just- there <laughs> Just, just to clarify, it's not virtual, so it's not virtual reality, but it is a, a digital platform. Okay, so digital it's like the Zoom tech parties. Right. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, there's some reports of people that said, um, you know, uh, well-known sex parties that were happening in New York or other major cities. Um, well, due to, you know, the self-isolation measures that we have in place due to the, the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, they've moved online and they offer um, if, if you the places where you know to look. Uh, where you could get access to these uh, sex parties. They will have a link and uh, a date and time for, for you to uh, loop into a, a Zoom video conference call. And um, there's just lots of people, and they're either alone or they're couples that are sequestered in their home, and you could do a little bit of voyeurism and exhibitionism online. And you know what? 
that's totally safe. So How, okay, why not? safe. Okay, safe. But but, uh, what if uh, you decide or somebody decides to take a screenshot or uh, I don't know? You can record these Zoom sessions too, can't you? Always assume that any kind of interaction you're having online is being recorded. So there are ways to covertly uh, film and record interaction you have online. There's many, many different there. So uh, the rule of thumb for everybody should be, uh, no matter what you're doing or with whom, always assume that the interaction is being filmed oh, and recorded. Because <laughs> okay. there, are some people, there are some people that will do this, and then e- even people that, that build up a, a trusting relationship over time, mm-hmm. and then sometimes um, this is rare, but it does happen, uh, people will record some kind of intimate interaction you're having with them uh, online, and then they blackmail you. Or they try to do uh, revenge porn, which we've discussed on the show many, many times. So everybody be vigilant of that. And you know what? If this makes you feel uncomfortable, it should. But, you know, um, have fun with it. If you are in one of these Zoom sex parties with people you do not know and people you ought to not trust, um, wear a little bit of a wear a, a mask. Over your face. Wear yeah. a little mask and have fun with that, and then you don't have to worry about that. Right. And just make sure that there's no like identifying material that you bring into the video with you. You know, like just be careful with that. Right. Somebody just wrote in. Sorry, but Zoom is very hackable. Called Zoom bombing. Very yeah. vulnerable to the UNC path injection. I have no idea what that is. Can even compromise Windows login credentials. Tell me about that. Well, Zoom has a terrible reputation, like I said at the start of the show, for it um, lacks uh, cybersecurity and privacy uh, features. And so there are uh, tips online uh, that you can read. Um, they're, they're too long for me to list on how to make your Zoom gatherings more secure and private. Mm-hmm. So one of the best ones I found is by one of the most respectable tech organizations, um, not-for-profits in the world, called Mozilla. Mm-hmm. And the title of the article is Tips to Make Your Zoom Gatherings More Private. And then they outline like a step-by-step guide of all different things you can do. I okay. highly recommend it. Okay, but um, overall, if you're not using Zoom, because there are other video um, platforms out there, there's quite a few, mm-hmm. um, like uh, Skype, for example, or FaceTime, um, always ask and check if it has end-to-end encryption. Okay. So that's something that you need to look for. And um, I know nobody wants to read the terms and conditions, uh, these long legalese, (laughs) terrible documents, Uh but they have sections in them that you ought to read. And so check and read the sections about privacy and the monitoring of calls and the recording of your personal data. And then you can make an informed choice as to whether or not you want to use that uh, particular video call app. And if you do not, there are other options out there. What's like? How would I know what's end-to-end encryption? How, what do I look for as me, as somebody who doesn't know much, and I want to just uh, have a Zoom, whatever, with somebody? What do I have to look for? Ask to see, or like, look, do your research, uh, uh, Google it, whatever, and see if blank XYZ app or whatever it is mm-hmm. has end-to-end encryption, and that's what you just you type in end-to-end encryption, and it will pop up. Uh, it, it will explain whether or not it does. There should be a blog article, or there should be some kind of content on the website for this video conferencing app that explains how they do or do not have end-to-end encryption. And if they do not, 
um, be careful with that kind of uh, video conferencing app because it can be intercepted. And if you know that it could be intercepted, just make sure that whatever you're doing on there, like you would not be horribly embarrassed if you would be identified. And if you're going to be horribly embarrassed if you're identified with it, like make sure that you wear a mask or some other way to hide your identity. Mm-hmm. Just in words, it, it, easy words, I can understand what that, what's end-to-end encryption. So um, you transmit information or data or, or you know, a stream of video from one end. So like my end, like right now we're streaming a, a, an audio call between okay. the two of us. Okay. So what there's there's um, cybersecurity technology called encryption where it scrambles that information mm. so that when it passes from one end to the other, it's kind of scrambled and there's no way to really unscramble it unless you have like really, really powerful supercomputers. And so the, it gets transmitted in a way that it cannot be really intercepted and then understood. Ah. But when it, when it reaches its destination, it gets unscrambled. Ah, okay. That makes a lot of sense. As one text wrote in, your online bank uses end-to-end encryption. Thank God. <laughs> okay. Well, all, now all, I get it. All secure, all secure transmission over the Internet uses end-to-end encryption. Okay. And, and it's only like low standards or, you know, you want to do something – quick and dirty or fast and simpler and cheaper that you do not use uh, end-to-end okay, encryption. Okay, so always ask if there's end-to-end encryption is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, okay. makes sense. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, Phew. so um, I would just like to uh, go back to the beginning of our conversation here where we were saying uh, how people are getting creative with these uh, video calls, mm-hmm. right? So the first one was the Zoom sex parties. Another one is um, people notice that there's a mysterious Google form being circulated amongst students at the University of Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. where they made an online digital version of Love is Blind. Uh, no. your, 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 your Netflix show that you really like. Oh yeah. I don't really like, but I found it fascinating nonetheless. <laughs> well, you raised it in conversation with me several, several times. So I think you likey, likey lot. So, okay. Hmm. You just outed me. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So, yeah, there's people that are, are making games with, you know, interesting kind of, you know, blind dates and other kinds of forms of, you know, flirting online through these video calls, these mm-hmm. video conference apps, which I thought was kind of cool. And indeed, there are um, officials from dating apps that are saying that the, the pandemic has uh encourage them to expedite the development of video chat features and right. other uh, things in, in addition to voice and text. And so um, some popular dating apps now have said that, uh, you know, video chatting has uh, more than doubled uh, since the, the pandemic mm-hmm. and others were forced to expedite the development of these kind of features. And um, they also see that people now are just going on dating apps in order to have social interactions with other people at a distance. Mm -hmm. And apps are now changing um, their features where you could actually connect with and flirt with people that are outside of your immediate geographical area. Because before, you know, dating apps, they would only show you people that are in proximity because they have this idea that you're going to go and like, maybe you're going to go and meet them. Yeah. But like, you can't do that now. So they actually like switched off those features. So they're, they're like loosening it up. So you can actually get matched with someone in a totally far off flung kind of land in the world. And it's just more for that kind of like social interaction, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. I want to just uh, share what our passion poet wrote. He did it for you. So can I read it? 
For me? Yeah, well, for, yeah. Some people use Zoom, some others use Skype. You can get sexy on FaceTime, but many, many people not that type. Not the same as being in person, but you can get aroused and tease, but the passion is soon lost when your video starts to freeze. It's just interactive porn. It's a step above phone sex, but you don't know who else is watching or what may come next. What uh, may come Yeah. <laughs> Coming up, uh, we'll continue our discussion with Dr. Jason uh, Behrman. We'll talk about how to co- uh, covertly signal in a video call that you need help, and we'll find out if you are experiencing tech fatigue as well. That's all coming up. After- Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. This is our sex tech uh, feature that we do every month with Dr. Jason Behrman, a specialist in artificial intelligence and uh, technology, talking about uh, intimacy via video conferencing and Zoom sex parties, digital orgies, all these new terms that like, you know, (laughs) it's it's new things happening all of a sudden. It's amazing how fast people are adapting to the new reality and, and trying to get on board and and continue their business just in a very different uh, in a in a different way. So uh, I think we're going to see a whole lot more of these things coming up. So one of the things you wanted to bring up, um, Jason, is we talked about this last week actually on the show. Is the 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 uh, one of the the other crises that's happening with COVID nineteen is there's a, a huge rise in um, domestic violence right now. So yeah. we're seeing more of that, and and also because there's more isolation, less uh, ability to reach out for help, less um, access to external people who might see something and report it. Uh, so people are, are left uh, quite isolated, and those are the most vulnerable of, of people, really. So ha- you have a trick, a thing? Uh, what, what are your recommendations? Well, uh, as we were describing, uh, during the pandemic, many people are using video conferencing and video call kind of apps to interact with others. And what we're seeing now is um, people who are being uh, victims or sequestered in their home, who are being victims of domestic violence and uh, sexual assault in the home, are, are trying to reach out through video conference calls to get help or to signal to other people that, you know, call the police or help me out. And so this is uh, pretty cool. So what I want everybody to know is what are some of these signs that have gained popularity recently? Mm-hmm. So some of them are like really, really grassroots where like one one person, one woman, uh, Andrea uh, Gunraj, who was a survivor of domestic violence, she started um, this this campaign where uh, she just threw out there on social media, um, contact me um, using coded language of a makeup order. Oh, I, so I posted me. that. I posted that on my Facebook, uh-huh. actually. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's great. So you contact her and you say that you're uh, interested in buying eyeliner and uh, you leave her address, and that is code word uh, for her to contact the, the authorities and to, for them to come to your home. Right. You're so suppo- the, the person on the other side is supposed to say, give me your address so I can send you the mm-hmm. product, right? And, exactly. Right. So there's another campaign that started by the Canadian Women's Foundation, and it's called Signal for Help. 
And this is where you tuck your thumb into your palm and then curl your fingers over your thumb. Mm -hmm. So like a closed fist hand gesture. Mm -hmm. And you show that in a video conference call and people are supposed to understand that this is a cry for help. Okay. Mm, Okay. And there's another one. Um, This is more, I believe, in Europe and and the U.K., and it's called the black dot, and this is where people put a black dot in the middle of the palm of their hand, and then you could uh, discreetly just, like, open up your hand during a video conference call and reveal this black dot. And uh, women are doing this with, uh, you know, makeup or any other mm-hmm, kind of item mm-hmm. that they have uh, quite often on their person or in their purse or mm-hmm. something like that. And so, yeah, if you see the black dot on somebody's hand, somebody flashes that, it's it's not a fluke. It's not a speck of dirt. It's, it's because they're trying to communicate to you that they desperately need help and they want you to contact the authorities. But what you should do if you, if you have a suspicion here, see if you could contact that person through a phone call or through a message and ask them just some like basic um, yes and no questions mm-hmm. so that they could respond. And if somebody's listening in or watching them, they will not necessarily have an idea of what you're talking about because the last thing you want to do is put somebody who is is a victim of uh, domestic violence in a situation where their aggressor um understands that they're trying to reach out for help and then quite often then they'll they'll get beaten up uh, pretty bad so yeah i think that's the scary part for a lot of people on the wanting to help end is they they are afraid of either making it worse or mm-hmm. afraid of the backlash of the aggressor on them or what have you. Mm-hmm. So there is something that is kind of interesting where people are saying that this is starting to go a, a little viral in some ways. Mm-hmm. And kind of like what we saw with the, the hashtag Me Too situation where this hashtag went viral and everybody started to come forward and, and reveal their past experiences of uh, sexual harassment and inappropriate behavior in the workplace. Um, uh, survivors of domestic abuse are now starting to put black dots on their hands and they're starting to show this online as like a a sign of solidarity. Oh, wow. And I thought that was kind of like cool of like how this is now like evolving into something even more. And it's now it's becoming, you know, to uh, a sign to raise awareness. But once again, this could backfire because if you see somebody posting images of a black dot online always make sure that you uh, a black dot on their hand online make sure <laughs> that they're they're like uh, expressing this as a sign of solidarity with victims and not like actually crying out for help you know like yeah, you better there, make there the difference be, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> there could be confusion there and that's like one of the one of the issues that, that some people are kind of raising eyebrows and they're like mm. Sounds yeah. kind of cool on paper, but, you know, this could, like, muddy the waters, and that's the last thing we want. That's like the code at uh, – somebody brought that up in uh, in bars in, in Florida. It started where you ask for an owl shot. You ask the bartender for an owl shot, and that means I need help. Um, really? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's code words that bartenders um, apparently know. So – There's also that. The last thing I want to talk to you about is what I think a lot of people are experiencing is um, tech fatigue or like overconnecting when you're working from home and you're, it's almost like you're constantly available through technology and, or you're, a lot of people are reaching out to you and they want to FaceTime with you or they want to uh, Zoom with you or whatever it is that we can develop this, this this fatigue, like I want to stay away, everybody, you know, I want to put all this stuff away for a while. Are you seeing uh, that? 
Uh, I feel it. Uh, I think everybody kind of feels it. Um, It's not healthy to constantly be connected. So uh, many leaders in mental health and technology recommend that you take at least once a week, 24 hours unplugged, it's Mm. called. So where you put your phone on super power saver mode is what I usually do, or um, airplane mode sometimes works quite well uh, as well. And try to disconnect from the internet and so that you're constantly, you stop being constantly bombarded with notifications from social media and also other kinds of um, notifications of people wanting to connect with you either through a video conference or whatever other means it may be. Mm-hmm. And um, always keep in mind, yeah, the connectivity, there's, there's like a lot of benefits with that. But at the same time, it can become a burden but you always keep control of the situation. So if you want to have interactions with other people, um, set up a time, contact them first, and you know, give them forenotice. Because uh, even though you may only want to speak to this person once a week or less, you have no idea how many times they've been bombarded with other video calls from all their other friends that right. are also socially isolated or other family members and right. all the other kind of stuff that they had to deal with at home. And the fact that some people who can are working from home and they're getting, you know, endless emails or other kinds of messages on messaging exactly. apps like Slack, Slack uh, from their boss and stuff like, ugh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you do know, clearly. <laughs> um, what about giving your eyes a break? I'm also noticing that when we're constantly either looking at our, if it's not the computer, it's the iPad or the or the phone or something, it's got to be doing something to the eyes. I am not an expert on that topic, but I know many people do experience fatigue uh, when they stare at screens for too long. And um, sometimes the, the blue light that is emitted from the screens also disrupts your sleep cycle. So that's also something you need to uh, keep in consideration when it's late at night and you're working all the time. So like lower the intensity of the screen, um, change it to something called dark mode that could help you with your sleep cycle. But um, also um, taking a step back from a screen every now and then, like every 20 minutes or something. Closing your uh, eyes, maybe closing your eyes. Closing your eyes sometimes and do like a a one-minute meditation. Many people find that that is quite relaxing, number one, but also uh, relieves a strain on the eyes. Right. Um, Sometimes sitting back away from the screen and then you just enlarge the font or whatever it is you're Mm -hmm. reading or looking Mm -hmm. at can sometimes uh, be helpful. Yeah. And that's pretty easy to do. I just think people need to be aware that they could experience this over-connecting business and and this this, uh, tech fatigue, that they need to take care of that too. You know, when we're talking about self-care and taking care of yourself during this time, that's all part of it because... I mean, many of us are overconnected at this point as well. So it could go the other way. Jason, we will speak to you again uh, next month. Look forward to see what you're going to dig up next. <laughs> it was fun, Laurie, as always. All right. I, I wish you and everybody else, uh, all the listeners, to stay safe. Thank you. You too, Jason. Thank you so much. Dr. Jason Behrman, specialist in artificial intelligence and technology, a good friend of passion, and he will be here again next month. Thank you all for spending your precious time with us. Thanks to our technical producer, Dave Simon, as well. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com, where you can also send me your emails and when where you can listen to past uh, podcasts 
as well. And by the way, on there are links to my TEDx talks. Would love it if you would watch. We are about 10,000 views away from a million and uh, would love to hit that milestone just for fun. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion. <laughs>